Welcome to Effigy Recall, a community-based podcast for the miniatures game Judgment. Alright, hello and welcome to another Wonky Kong Fabius Bile episode of Effigy Recall. I'm your host, Wonky Kong, and with me is my trusty sidekick at this point, co-host, Fabius Bile. Good to be here, good to be here. You you excited? He's got some fun stuff to talk about tonight. Looking forward to it. All right. So we're going to jump right on into it. Um, So we recently wrapped up the final qualifier for the JNAC for the last JNAC of version one, which was unknown to us at the point that the last qualifier started. Um, So we're going to go through a little bit of our last round ones. We're going to go through some of that. Overall, just kind of looking at how the table fell out, some more bands and stuff we liked. Um, and then we'll continue on with looking forward to the JNAC. All right, Fabius, how was your uh, fourth round game? Uh, fourth round game was a real, it, it was a real, uh, real good game against Constant Way. Um, to give everybody a quick reminder, his uh, warband was Zyvera, Dunrocker, Thrommel, uh, Fazil, Thorgar, Lorabella, and Cavardo. Um, and I ended up banning out his Lorabella, whereas my list was Saiyan, Skull, Bale and Sarna, Fazil, Kogan, Hoxa, Cavardo, and he banned out Bale and Sarna, which was kind of expected. That seems pretty reasonable. I know I tend to ban Bale and Sarna. <laughs> Uh, especially yeah. if it's uh, you know, double soul pit map or anything like that. Right. Uh, I mean, we, you know, we we had it. It was a good slog fest back and forth. Um, I was a little sad because Saiyan never once got to harvest a soul, but that's kind of what happens when she's going up against Zyvera, who has first turn. Yeah. Um, but it was one of those games that you know, like every time he harvested a soul, um it felt like I had an answer to kill one of his characters as well. Um, so, cause at the end of it, it came down to, uh, I had four souls. He had four souls and, um, it ended up with him getting a charge off with his physique, but it was just a single charge on six dice with a reroll and yeah. he needed to crit. So, yeah, it's not terrible odds, six dice with a reroll to crit. No, no, it's not terrible odds at all. Um, very good odds. I think it, you know, it worked out really well for him. But uh, if he hadn't got that, I, I think I had, I, I think I had his fazil at that point because his fazil was at eleven life. Okay. Um, and my fazil was sitting there fresh because uh, what I had done, he had lined up both Cavardo and Fazil down there to charge or blast the effigy. Yep. And I activated my Cavardo, uh, TK'd him in okay. to my Fazil and Cavardo and Haxa, all being able to gang up on him. Let okay. Cavardo swing once, put the, uh, basically try to put the poison on as much as possible, do damage. And then I once again mind controlled uh, Fazil yeah. and let him decap into, uh, into the Cavardo. Okay. So it it was a real close game and uh we both we both felt really, really good about it. 
and you know it, there was a lot I learned from it. So, I mean, that's good, good right? You always always walk away with that, right? Yeah, uh, just kind of having some idea of like, hey, right? I didn't win the game, but did I learn a cool trick there? Some interaction in my warband, or did I see something it, new on the other side of the table I haven't seen before that I can kind of you know pull into my yep. own bag of tricks? I guess. Absolutely. So, what about your game? All right, so my fourth round, I played against one of the Kiriokos brothers, um, Andy, uh, one of the guys over, I believe, Cypress. Yeah. I think. Um, yeah, his his warband was pretty good. He had uh, Doan Rocker, Marcus, Brock, Zimgarak, Zonia, Gendrus, Styx. And again, my Ooh. warband is all six dwarves um, plus Styx. Uh, banned Phase, I'm pretty sure. I'm trying to remember exactly. I banned his Zim. Um, which turned out to be 100% the incorrect answer. Um, I should have banned his Doan Rocker. Um, but I I was worried about Frost limiting what Brock could do. Um, okay. Brock, Brock, when he makes the kind of attacks the way he does, Frost is a huge problem because um, he crits down to four, and then the backswing, if he crits, goes from three down to two, assuming max damage. Um, and that actually hurts Brock quite a bit because he's got to get those crits. To really feel like he's doing work, or he's got to get level three to uh, yeah. blow up the res characters. And my thought was, was um, I would be able to um, get my Brock to three quick enough that I could threaten the Doan Rocker to not go into stone form. Um, turned out that didn't end up being the case. <laughs> uh, so, um, so yeah. Uh, he ended up banning my sticks, which against the dwarf warband is a hundred percent always the proper ban because it makes the warband feel really bad. Um, he <laughs> dropped. What did he drop? Uh, look at this. So he dropped Marcus. Um, mm. I actually dropped Svetlana because the map was um, two random monster spawns on the far edges, a fire mm -hmm. shrine dead middle, and then the alternating friendly side soul pits, kind of like near the walls. Um, so I figured Zvet with the monsters being so far out wasn't going to provide a whole lot of value. Um, so I thought Barney, you know, with a friend isn't bad at soul gazing. Um, so uh, game went about how I expected it with Doan Rocker and One Inch Melee and Zephin. Um, I made a pretty knuckle-headed uh, play where um, I let him Doan Rocker Stone Grasp my Barney and my Zaffin. And it turns out when two of your five heroes can't do anything, functionally do anything for a turn, you're not going to have a good time. Um, I did start kind of working my way back into the game. However, I got down, I think, like two souls to zero very early, um, partly because I missed... Like I missed a soul. I set up for a soul harvest on Lori on top of two. Um, and I, I whiffed it and then I had to use mm -hmm. my thrommel to do it, which level two thrommel is not bad, uh, but I needed my thrommel to do something. So effectively, like I just wasn't getting good, like action economy in my game essentially is like, mm. it was taking me, you know, two two soul harvests, even after a reroll um, to get the soul. And then, because of some bad positioning, um, Barney and Zaffin got locked down for a turn. So, like, I just felt like I was behind in actions. Um, and, I, and I felt I was starting to kind of round the curve. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I had this weird play where the far right side Ashtooth had slowly been coming into us. 
Mm. And I had a chance with Barney and Lori near a soul to go after a soul harvest. Um, I don't remember if it was contested or not, uh, but I didn't get it. And then the ash tooth got rolled enough to then move into my Lori Bella. <laughs> and then it was also still engaging Barney. So it's kind of like the risk there was, Hey, I get this soul. Then I can like protect myself a bit. And then it would have been like three to four. And I felt like I wasn't in the worst position, but I missed okay. the soul harvest. And then the ash tooth came in and then it just got bad. Gotcha. <laughs> so, um, Andy was a great sport. He had worked like 14 hours or something before we played the game. Um, Cause he was working, I guess he's been working a, a lot of hours at his job. So we started at like 1230 AM his time. Um, so it took a wow. little bit. Yeah. It, and like, and I do apologize to him. I did get a little bit sour during the game with him, And like, we talked about it a bit after like the next day. Cause like, I had some some dice rolls that didn't go my way, and then kind of how some of the monster stuff went. Um, it just I felt like I was I ended up being a bad sport, and I do want to apologize to that Tim because you, you know it it had been a rough day for him, you know, with working that many hours and playing the game and right. Uh, but yeah, but yeah, he was a great opponent. Uh, I would definitely can't wait to play him again though. Um, this time maybe I'll get the better of him if I don't play all dwarves. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, yeah, so, uh, I mean, I finished two and two. I believe you also finished two and two. I did. So you, you got me on tie breaks, though, because uh, turns out the Dwarf Warband either works or it doesn't, um, <laughs> which which is kind of how I feel about Zaffin in general. Right? Zaffin's one of those heroes that you got to put a lot of um, effort into to make work, and he is right. very strong when you get to make him work, but it does feel like, hey, all of your eggs are in this basket. And mm -hmm. if it don't work, you're going to have a bad time um, in letting letting Doan Rocker through proved to be, especially just the way I positioned, I probably could have been a little bit smarter with him as well. Um, and probably also kept Barney and him further apart. But the way some of the early game stuff kind of trended, it just didn't quite happen. Um, gotcha. So. Now that we've got through this, so we did two and two. So we both did, you know, we, we broke even. Um, right. So what are, if you were going to play the same war band mm -hmm. or something mostly similar, like what you got a couple like tweaks you would make to what you got, or would you say, would you scrap it down, burn it with fire and start over? No, actually I, I, as funny as that is to say, because you know, Cavardo's in the list. Um, no, actually I think I would, uh, I, I'd make a couple tweaks to it. Um, I felt like I got good work out of Saiyan all except for the last game that I played with Constant, and that's just because Zyvera is a beast when she's in the right list and on yeah. a double skull pit map and all that, and you know everything kind of lands for her. Um, as we've seen with Guard Dog playing her as well. Yep. Um, but so I even like Saiyan was one that I was like, well, maybe I was hitting, maybe I'm not, and I ended up in the case of i really like her in this warband it fits well she provides that little bit of extra healing um and just a little bit of extra okay i'm gonna grab this and take it right the one character that i would definitely change out and try something else with and it's maybe just because my player skill is not quite up there yet with him is skull i i liked him in the warband he fit um 
gave me a few extra options for some stuff. But at the end of the day, I found that the rest of my choices just outweighed him. And maybe that's because, you know, with uh, Hoxa Cavardo in there, I felt that with those two as a combo, I already kind of had that defender slot covered, but not yeah, in so, a true defender way. Yeah, so the thing with Skull, I've, we've, I've heard talked about a bit, is that sometimes he's a little bit weird um, because he he is a defender, but he at times doesn't feel as tanky as it. Mm-hmm. Um, I also apologize. My dog is designed to randomly bark at things. So people hear it in the background. Um, <laughs> you just decide to up and do it. I was trying to mute while you were talking. Uh, That's okay. The thing with Skull, I know, I know it's been brought up a bit is like, he feels like a defender or he is a defender, but at times he doesn't want to actually be your frontline. Like right. you want to use the bulwark to absorb damage because if you focus on Skull, yes, he has a lot of hit points, but at Agi 3, Correct. At edgy three res one, if you put enough into him, he goes down what feels like easier than the res two defenders. Um, right. And so I think that's a big part of of why you might have felt that way. I wonder if going I, I, to a more stand I don't want to say standard, but like maybe going to a Marcus or something might have well felt better. That that's what I was looking at, right? Is I've been looking at it and I'm like, okay, what would I have changed Skull out for? And believe it or not, um what I'm constantly confronted with is looking at either Marcus, because Marcus has just the res two, he's a good solid defender as well, and he provides the knockdown, you know, on top of that, right? Um Marcus was my first option that I was like, well, maybe Marcus would be better in here. But I don't, I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that even with Cavardo in the list, Rommel doesn't feel bad there. And that's just part of that, you know, triangle that we talked about or that trinity that you take. Yeah, the, yeah the Zeph and Cavardo, Thrommel, if those right. aren't familiar with that, um, that um, trio of heroes. One of them that I was even considering is Sky, actually. Okay. And the reason I was considering Sky is because with Spirit Strike plus the uh, Dispersion, yep. I think is what it's called. Yeah. You know, that, that lets me move more damage around, and it lets me heal and play stun. So it kind of does some of that stuff. And I was like, well, maybe Sky might fit in here, because at G6, he's still a good, solid, you know, yeah, I think to out at people. I think because you do have a couple of sources of healing, right? So like Saiyan can AOE heal, Hoxa mm-hmm. can AOE heal for you. Yep. Um Fazil can, you know, heal off of souls if he wants. He also has leech built in. Um that yeah, Sky actually might be a pretty interesting interesting swap in there. It gives you some extra mobility versus skull. Um probably a fair amount less damage. That's what you're trying to use skull for. Um right. Because Skull at times with dual wield can just kind of go a little crazy. Damn. <laughs> yeah. You get those those one or two dice attacks, but if you're rolling glances, right? That's two damage. Yeah. Two damage a glance, like it starts to add up uh pretty quick. Yep. Or it can. Um but yeah, I think I think Sky might not be bad, right? Because the idea that you just kinda right, you also have Kogan that regens. So every model outside of Cavardo has a way to like heal itself. 
I guess Bill uh-huh. and Sarna don't, but they've got a way to heal itself and you have the AOE healing to kind of like, right, I'm going to spread some of that damage around and then, you know, Sky's going to spirit strike up a little bit or, you know, healing idol's going to catch Bale and Sarna and heal both, you know, might right. be, might be an interesting way to, to give that a go uh, with Sky. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to see that uh, you said you enjoyed using Saiyan because I know, it seems like a lot of people are definitely down on Saiyan right now. Um, I think she's so, one of the least taken soul gazers. She I remember. Is. Um, what I can say is that it's for me, it's one of those things that I think she just fit this list. Well, right. Which is what made her enjoyable because even in my last game with constant way where she didn't do a ton of stuff, um, because she couldn't soul harvest, she still actually took. Uh, his, <clears throat> sorry, she took his Thorgar at one point and dropped him down to like five or six health, you know, and set him up for the kill from somebody else. Yeah. So, and had I been able to even utilize her at the last turn, like his Zyvera had four souls on her. Oh man, yeah, that gets so I was scary. Like, cool. I'm gonna walk five inches, and I'm gonna tap you twice. And if I can crit you, luckily, I mean, not even not even the crits, the glances are hitting for six at that point. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You know, it's like it's like if I can crit you twice, you're taking a grand total of freaking you know eight damage a hit. Yeah, yeah, that that's rough if you if you don't do it right now. Granted. He also, like I was saying, gonna say, he also had her soul linked with Donnie, but Donnie only had ten health. Yeah. So then, well, and the other thing there too is like, if you have Skull, like Skull can also punish that, right? His fate ability, you do D six per soul bound to him. So yep. like, if you had Sane and Skull and back to back activations, like Soul Link's not gonna save you, right? Because you're gonna be taking, you know. Probably Lots. like twelve to fourteen from Saiyan, and then you're gonna take forty-six damage uh from Skull. And the thing to to remember about Soul Link is if the attack would kill, you can't use it. Right. So he would actually have to Soul Link heavy early off of the Saiyan hits. But if Don's only at, you know, eight or ten or whatever you said he was at, mm-hmm. I mean that he's got to be real worried. And then you still have a 46 true damage roll. If you've got the fate and skull can get there. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things that skull is an interesting choice here. And I ended up dropping him in each of the games, but. Oh, really? Okay. But, but he's not one of those that like, I don't feel bad that he was in the list. Right. Yeah. I might try sky next time just to see how it plays differently. Mm -hmm. But even then, if I were going to, you know, keep Skull in there. I've got a couple places I could still slot him in instead if I wanted. So you were actually playing with no defender a lot of the games? Uh, Yeah, pretty much. Okay, that's kind of, that's interesting because um, one of the trends that we saw very common um, was running double defenders. So you always had a defender once you got to the table because yep. people tend to feel like they need to have one. Um, I'm someone that likes to play defenders quite a bit. Like, and that goes back to like when I play MOBAs and MMOs and stuff, I tend to like tanky characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so like that extends to me a bit wanting to play, you know, like double defender. And I like putting, du- and I actually like putting double defender on the table. 
a fair amount. Um, That's fair. So it's kind of intriguing to hear that you're not, you weren't using it, but I guess, right. You probably kind of use Hoxa, Cavardo. And then if you have Saiyan, right, like Hoxa and Saiyan, if you're using the healing idol, right? Like that's a fair amount yep. of healing and it starts adding up where like, you don't just need that, you know, inherent tankiness to the models you put on the table, I guess. Right. Exactly. Okay. So uh, what about yours? Uh, I mean. well, <laughs> um, I think, I think the dwarves have game. Um, yep. the, I do like a lot of parts of the list. And actually, honestly, if I would play this list in another event, um, I'm pretty sure I'd drop Barney for Sharn. Um, okay. Barney, while you can do some good stuff with him, and get value out of him at times. Um, I just felt like in fives, he just felt lackluster the game I played him. Part of it's because I didn't use him overly well in the way positioning went, like I mentioned with the Dawn Rocker. Um, but the the big thing with the dwarves is you need to get value out of your Zaffin. And I brought this up a little bit earlier. Um, I feel like Zaffin is, a, he tends to be a very binary hero where either he feels good and he runs the table or he just doesn't do anything. Um, and you need tools that enable can allow your Zaffin to run the table. Um, right. and with the way the warband is currently, um, most people will tend to ban sticks. I th- Which I'm makes trying sense. I try and remember, I think Lori got banned one game or was it Svet? Um, but both the games that Sticks made it through the ban phase, I won. <laughs> um, both games where Sticks was banned, I lost. Now, again, there's probably some things that could have been done better outside of that. But mm-hmm. Sticks allows the movement three stuff to more reliably get where they need to to get them to where they need to go. Um, okay. And you know, one of the big things with Zaffin is because he has a two a two action attack. Um, where he wants to aim, um, you need to you need to make sure that he's making those attacks. And Sticks is a tool that allows you with Ethereal Passage to like, oh, you came and engaged me? No problem. I just, you know, I'm going to pull you over here real quick. Um, also right. lets you reposition them to get those aims because obviously in, in the world of pre-measuring and even more so in the war table, um, it's very easy to tell if something is in or out of Zaffin range. Um, and absolutely and granted you can get your zaffin into positions where they can't hide from him but then that also means he tends depending on the map you're playing it tends to mean that he's exposing himself um Mm -hmm. and as soon as that occurs people just engage him and if i've got to walk zaffin away take a parting blow and then get one shot that's going to feel really bad okay um so i I think i have a question for you on this yep so you say Sharn instead of uh, Barney. Why not Zim instead of Barney? So that's probably also valid. I mean, you probably could also go Cavardo there. Um, mm-hmm. I think if you if you go one of those, it might shift who they ban. I don't know if people are ever going to ban Thrammel, but here's the thing. I also love putting Thrammel and Sharn on the table together. Okay. Um, before... Before he got natural sprinter, it was actually a pairing I put on the table a handful of times. 
Um, because you can get behind me defenders. So right. Sharn can pull Cavardo around or not Cavardo, um, Thrommel around to get those mm-hmm. strong charges he has. Right. Um, if you want to play it that way, like I used to play him a bit like Sharn, Thrommel and Cavardo. And then like my Thrommel just becomes an aggressor <laughs> and then Sharn and Sharn handles the like, all right, I got to stand here and not die, you know, and punt people off of shines. And then mm-hmm. Cavardo and Thrommel just turn into an aggressor and they just go run around, you know, murdering stuff. That's um, fair. I also think the, the, the Sharn's pretty good to pull like Lori or Brock as threat extension as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and the thing with Zim is when he does the swap, he kind of has to expose himself. Um, and I want something that can also help roadblock better for the Zaffin. Um, where Zim would also kind of play in the backfield like Zaffin does. And that God. Sure. I think positioning wise is a bit of a detriment. Okay. Um but Zim would be an interesting one. Um I mean technically Sharn stole a dwarven warhammer, <clears throat> so I guess it sort of fits with the dwarven theme. <laughs> um that, but yeah, fair. I actually do think that the dwarves in general have a pretty good um, pretty good like options they have, and actually, if I would go one step further, I might actually get rid of Brock and swap him for probably like a Thorgar or something. Because the problem I felt I had with Zaffin is even when he was getting to shoot, if you're right, you're like aiming and you get Heartseeker. Because I very commonly would buy Zaffin Heartseeker because mm-hmm. when it turns out you're only making one to two attacks a turn, your attacks need. To matter you need dice you need dice and um and i even had some games where i got him the hard seeker i got him to aim and then he was only doing solids and you're like okay like it it doesn't feel as good right when you've got this like here's my big bulk of my damage because brock's there but a lot of times brock needs to be monster killing right so that right everything else kind of works because you have to have some amount of monster control um, and maybe that's because I I'm a little bit rigid in how I've been playing with Zaffin. I almost always buy him Heartseeker first turn. I walk or effigy recall, and I buy him a Heartseeker. And that may maybe that's not the correct play all the time, but I tend to do it almost every game, unless someone like really unless someone really brings something into the middle of the table, and I can like, all right, we're gonna pull him with sticks, and he's gonna aim and take two shots at something that way over overextended first turn. But yeah, right, I think right. in in Brock, while he is a great aggressor, um, if he's not critting, he's not doing huge amounts. And outside of Thrommel's knockdown um or a Thrommel gang up, he's not really getting extra dice from anywhere outside of what he has. So with Brock plus Zaffin as your aggressors, it feels very are my dice good? Then I'm gonna feel good. If my dice are kind of average-ish or below that, it's not going to feel good, right? Because when Brock doesn't gotcha. crit, Brock is sad. And then when Zaffin's shooting that big crossbow and he's not critting, he also feels sad. That so, is fair. Um, but Honestly, yeah, I think... with, with you having Zaffin in there, if you want to drop Brock, I think uh, bringing Fazil actually would be a good one. And, and I know we're, everybody's on the Fazil train right now. At least that's what it feels like. Yeah, well, but he's it, probably it com- the best aggressor in the game, so I don't... But, I mean, it definitely combos with your... Yeah. With, uh, 
with Zaffin, with Zaffin. Right? yeah yep and like i was actually doing pretty well getting poison out on stuff with them too um because i was getting solids but you know and but i was getting you know the 2s or a jane and s but i didn't want to push because i didn't want to push them out of my range mm-hmm. um so yeah it might be something to try um it gives yeah. more soul stuff if they bans vet as well but the warband went as it stands right now is actually pretty good at soul gazing because Lori's a four, Styx is a five, Barney's a four. Um, I yeah. think Rock's even like a two or a three for an aggressor or something, like slightly okay. higher than you expect. Um, so it didn't feel bad. I think, yeah, I think the big thing is just swapping Barney for Sharn, and I feel like it's pretty solid. And then maybe go. swapping up Rock, but then you're like, okay, then you're not really playing all the dwarves. <laughs> so that's fair. It's yeah, it's fun. But the the lack of sticks. Um, gets pretty painful when he's not there, and then everyone just learns to ban sticks, and then you you just have a sad time. So, all right. Well, I mean, that those seem like some really, uh, really, you know, decent changes to maybe check out. Obviously, not right now because you know you're in the JNAC and you gotta obviously play serious. Because as you know, uh, Tiras pointed out earlier, this is going to be the JNAC and final set up a version one. So whoever wins this one is going to be the final champion of version one. Yep. So obviously you're going to play, you know, to your heart's content as much as you can. Yeah. So we're, I will spoiler for everyone listening, looking for inside information. I'm not going to play six dwarves and sticks in the JNAC. <laughs> you heard it here. Big time. Okay, spoiler. Okay. Real, real quick. So if you're spoiling us that you're not playing six dwarves, are you playing one? Uh, that remains to be seen. Fair enough. Um, it's me. <laughs> so I've got I've got a warband, but I've already like I felt pretty good with it. I played one game with it. Mm-hmm. Um, I've already debated one swap after playing okay. one game with it. Um, I do believe I have the core of the warband gotcha. I want to play. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But there is one or two slots that are currently up in the air. Um. And we'll see, but it's also me, so I'll say that now. And then, literally on Sunday, I'll whip something new up, and you know, <laughs> lock it in because I do have a a bit of a tendency to do that. Um, but Fair before enough. we get too far in the new JNAC, right, right, right. No, I just wanted to throw yeah, that out there real quick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything? So looking back on this qualifier, right? So we had, um, we had. I mean, we had quite a few people in this one. I think we had 22. Yeah, 22. 22, yeah. Um, so the the Herd won, right? So for those that haven't yep. heard, the Herd is a good list, um, especially when piloted by Guard Dog. Um, I am also a huge, huge fan of the Herd list, um, but I know I don't play it nearly as much as Guard Dog, so probably not nearly to the ability of said Guard Dog. Um, mm-hmm. And then, um, so he was in first place with the Herd, which is all the Minotaurs and then Lori. Um, and he took Thrommel as the yep. seventh. Um, I've always kind of swapped out that seventh. I I had it as um, Isabel for a while. I've had it as Mark. Uh, he had it as Marcus for a while. I was running it with Sharn for a while um, as that seventh slot. So that's been a, a little bit back and forth. Um, second was the Constant Way. So he had, we called the Altered Herd. So. Yep. Um, Zavera, Donrocker, Thrommel, Fazil, Thorgard, Lori, and Cavardo. Um, so very similar to most of what's in the herd. 
but he likes taking um, Cavardo um, over, I guess, the Thrammel, basically. And then he he takes Vizil over Kogan. Um, third place was Kolote, who had Cruel, Sharn, Alandir, Fazil, Kogan, Cavardo, Styx. Um, and I guess we'll go into fourth place because I know it's one that you wanted, uh, we're, we're kind of interested in, which was Eternal mm-hmm. Robbie, who had Zarin, Dawn Rocker, Bale and Sarna, Brock, Astario, Cradle, Hoxa. Yep. Um, so those were the top four. Um, and then actually the next two were like two Kiriokos brothers, um, yep. if, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I believe so. Yep. And then the last three and one, we'll just go that because at that point, so um, those are two Kiriokos brothers. And then the last three and one was um, the real Shano. Um, so yeah, uh, guard dogs list stuff. Obviously herd's been talked about a lot. Um, I'm mm-hmm. a big fan. Um, I, I haven't actually played as the herd in a while. Cause I went, I made a very conscious decision a few months ago to like, all right, I need to not play just minotaurs. Right. So I've been kind of rotating around and do a bunch of different stuff and then constantly. So it's actually kind of intriguing that some very minotaur heavy war bands were the top two. It's uh, yeah. But I mean, mean, I'll, I'll say this. Um, I don't know if you've still got the, uh, the video of the Twitch stream we cast the other night, but um, if that's still up and people can, you know, check that out, I highly recommend it. If you want to see, you know, just how good, uh, that list is, especially with guard yeah. dog piloting it. So you and I, you and I, a couple of times were making comments of like, well, I don't know if we do this. And then it turned out, you know, two moves in. Yeah. Like, oh, that's why he did that. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, sadly, um, there is a setting I missed on my Twitch channel <laughs> oh, to okay. keep, uh, past broadcasts. So, um, that ah. was me being a noob on Twitch. Cause I was looking for it like a day or two later. I think Kalote wanted to watch it. Um, he was asking ah. me about it. I'm like, uh, I'm assuming it's there. And then I went and looked and it's not. However, that setting is set. So for gotcha. future casting things, I will have VODs up there. Um, there are some limitations on how long they stay because of my Twitch account status, I guess. Right. Mm. Cause I'm not, I'm not affiliated or partner or any of that stuff. Right. It's just like, it's a Twitch account. So there is a cap on the time they will keep stuff. Right. Uh, I think it's like 30 or 60 days. Okay. Uh, so, um, so for JNAC stuff in the future, cause I will attempt to cast, which we'll get into a little bit later. Yeah. Um, I, that will, that problem will be solved. So I don't, we don't have that one to watch, but yeah, okay. guard, guard dog is, he is very, very practiced with that list. He has played it a ton. Um, yeah. And he's very, he's very proficient with it. Yep. Um, yeah, in in you know, constant way. Um, I I know a handful of minotaurs are ones that he plays a fair amount. Mm-hmm. Um, so that doesn't necessarily surprise me there. Um, Kalote, no. I've played a fair amount against lately because he's been asking for games a lot, and I've been trying out all sorts of stuff. Because even when this qualifier was going out, I was trying out new war pants. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I know I'm not going to play all the dwarves again, so I need to, <laughs> I need, need to, start, to start working on something. Yeah, I need to start working on something. Um, cause I did, I did make a comment that like, if guard dog makes JNAC and plays, uh, herd, I wasn't planning on it. I, I don't know if the JNAC could handle two herd players. It's just, that's mm-hmm. rough. So it's a lot of beef. Uh, it's a lot of beef. Um, but yeah, his, I know he's been playing it and like, he was actually playing, uh, this qualifier list against me for a fair amount in a lot of those games. 
So he's mm-hmm. been getting in, like he was getting in a handful of games in between like his qualifier games. Yep. Um, and he's and then, with it. Yep. And then Eternal Robbie was the one I know you've been kind of tracking a bit because um, yep. he was the only cradle list. Um, so yeah. it, and I played against his, I played against this list um, in a non-qualifier um, thing, just as a one-off game. Um, and we had a pretty, pretty tight one. He got a bit ahead and then the list heals for just an absolute insane amount um, with Hoxa and Cradle together. Um, and I kind of had to ban the Bale and Sarna because it turns out Bale and Sarna on two soul pit maps early or did I, I don't even remember if I banned them now might've banned something else and then just tried to sit like stand on top of the soul pit. Cause that's also Cause they're hard to deal with. Yeah, especially two soul pit maps where they can bounce they can bounce back and forth with impunity. Like you gotta yeah. do something to slow them down. Um but yeah, so the okay. cradle list did pretty good because I know you were tracking that one. Um because we haven't seen a lot of cradle. Um I don't know how many people have been playing her outside of qualifiers or whatever, but Yeah, I mean it's she was you know, this was the only list that took her and even like the few times I've tried to play her, uh, you know, in person, using a stand-in model with a couple of my buddies, um, it is, it's one of those. She's very, she's a different playstyle. You have to think about how you're going to play her and how you, what you want her to, do when she goes into the list. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a couple things she's going to want. Um, and I actually had one of my uh, Will War ask me. F- for a game um, against Cradle, so he could kind of see what she could do. Mm-hmm. And I totally borked my opening turn. He got the TK amount a dorg into me, and it got nasty. Um, it did. It did result in Cradle getting a curse blade, which is kind of fun. Um, Cradle with a curse blade is. Yeah, but the problem was, is because of the way that things went, I fell behind, and mm-hmm. then like, yeah, I've got Cradle with a curse blade, but then. Like a lot of other things weren't going my way, right? So it just like like that part was kind of working, and then the rest just wasn't. So, yep. Um, but yeah, so Cradle. I know, I know, some people are thinking about her. At least you know, how do you play against it, or how do you think about how to play against it? Um, I, I've had some luck with her. I've had, I've got a Cradle Warband I had been playing, um, and then. I I kind of swapped out a few pieces, so I've got a warband with her that I kind of like. Okay, um, but she definitely likes a melee death ball kind of thing. She mm-hmm. wants to kind of be in there, stuck in. She because really the the what she wants is she wants dice, and like however you can get her more dice, the better, because yep. that's when you can start triggering the the shadow wraith. Um, and there's a lot of good stuff you can do with shadow wraith. Um, I feel like she loses a little bit in the meta currently because the fact that there is a lot of res one running around. Um, That's fair. And she, you know, you, you kind of really want those glances to work because there's going to be times you're not getting a whole lot of a dice on attacks and you want that glance to do damage to trigger the shadow mist. Um, Right. Right. The one thing I've always had a bit of an issue with her and again, this I've only played like maybe three games with Cradle, uh, possibly a fourth. 
is I've always had issues trying to generate shadow mist before she goes to really like let her go crazy. Right. Um, and that's probably more a bit of the warbands I play with her. I think you might want a decent range attack to do some of that. Um, and Eternal Robbie's list has that. It's got a Star Reel and Zara and both have, and actually Hox's range attack isn't terrible. Because you want yep. something that can like apply some damage before you go to build some of those missed tokens before she activates. Yep. Um, well, then it's also, even if Bale and Sarna get through, Sarna still has the ability to zap people. Correct. Um, yeah, in, in his warband. I don't have Bale and Sarna on mine. Right, was, saying in his. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, it was good to see, it was good to see Cradle show well. Yeah. Um, maybe some people might give her a bit more of a go. Because um, mm-hmm. I think, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's also a Gen, you know, two Gendruses in the top five. One that is usually kind of looked down on a bit. Um. There was a Nephanine in top six, two of them in top seven. So, mm-hmm. yeah, there was some a good a good spread of warbands. I mean, obviously with Herd and Herd I, Light I think, one and two. <laughs> I, I think the other thing that I really like here is the fact that, uh, yes, Zyvera is in the top two lists, and they're both you know Herd Herd Light, but then you also have Cruel and Zaren both made it top four as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the only in like the only other really repeated model was Doan Rocker. So um the top four list, um three of the four had Doan Rocker in it. Um, which again, mm-hmm. I mean he I think the redirection change made him a lot stronger. Because a lot of times you could just kinda all right, I'm gonna throw a goofy one off attack to burn redirection. Yep. Um when it doesn't provide value, and now you can get more maximum value um Absolutely. out of that. So you heard it here first, Guns and Tirith. Uh, the new change to Donnie is broken. Change it back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... I mean, he's... Totally uh, joking. Totally he's, joking. Uh, yeah, he's already going to get nerfed, essentially, when version 2 happens. No, he, so he's he's in a good yeah. place right now. Yeah, I, Stone Grasp in version 2 is essentially going to be useless. Um, That might be a bit of an overstatement, but... We'll um, wait and see. That's yeah, I really mean, all we can yeah. Do, I mean, it had it had limited applications as is, right? It's really strong into one inch melees, right. um, but in version two, it's adjacent. I'm uh, I haven't seen the card. I'm assuming it's going to be adjacent because anything right. that was, you know, because it's essentially his melee range. Well, his melee range is now adjacent, which means anyone that he stone grasps is now also in melee with him, and they can easily push off because that. I mean, it does make them burn an attack. Don't get me wrong, yep. there can be value in that. But as far as the fade ability goes, it's probably going to feel a little bit um, lackluster. Which, Stonegrass was one that you might not necessarily use in a game, because the rest of his kit is pretty good. Yeah. So, um, anyway. Random, we, random we aside. We probably keep rolling on here, so we don't... <laughs> uh, Alright, so, any anything else with the qualifier you want to bring up? Um, otherwise, we'll move move on here. Uh, no, no, I think this segues perfectly into us being able to start looking forward at the JNAC. All right, yeah. Uh, first thing I want to throw out there to everybody is, 
you know, congratulations to the guys that all placed high enough to get into the JNAC. Um, you know, you guys played several games, worked your butts off to get those points. Good job. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of the a lot of the guys that made it were ones that have been playing pretty consistently. There mm-hmm. were a few that I think only played in an event or two, but did really well. Which, with the way that the points and number of events and whatnot turned out, actually let them qualify. Um, so that's I think uh, Tryhard Dan won one event, and then Missing Tasks, which I believe is one of the Chicago locals, um, did very well in the the Milwaukee in-person event we had in February. And okay. I, I guess that was enough points to get them to qualify. Cool. Um, so, so yeah, uh, got a pretty good field. So um, the ones that qualified, so Shane York, so he was the one, he was the 2019 JNAC winner. So he gets auto qualified uh, missing tasks, which I believe is a Chicago local. Um and they face off uh, round one. Um, yep. Guard Dog and Colote, who just were on final table in the last qualifier, actually have to play each other round one. In so this the be, it's kind of a grudge match in a way. Yeah. Um, and then the next pairing is Will War and Bartlow. So another um, one of my Milwaukee locals and Bartlow, one of the playtesters. The next matchup is The Constant Wave or Soul Burner. So again, another Milwaukee local versus uh, Constant Way. Next matchup is Illustrious Wahoo, another Milwaukee local. See, I'm I'm gonna gonna say, hey, look at us, we're awesome. But uh, <laughs> you know, I gotta you gotta toot your own horn a little bit, right? Uh, but Illustrious Wahoo plays against Spiral, um, which I believe is the sole um, Aussie that qualified. Um, yeah, I think so. And I think a big part of that was due to, I don't know when they made the call to make the um, JNAC International went. I'm trying to remember. I think I think we had one or two online qualifiers before it got opened up to be international. So that that's going to obviously impact their ability to to right. qualify based off all points work. Um, the next matchup is Pook versus Tryhard Dan. So Pook's another Milwaukee local. And then uh, Tryhard Dan, I believe, is the sole representative from the UK, I think. I think so. Um, Obviously not going to quote anybody on that. Yeah. And then the next one is myself versus Eternal Robbie. Um, And then the last one is Brandon versus Alex. So um, I'm pretty hyped for the events. I like seeing that a bunch of my locals that I get to play with you know, a fair amount got in. Um, a big part of that um, is that we definitely probably had more chances to get points um, than other people because we did run an in-person events before COVID and quarantine happened, right? So we mm-hmm. had a an early on event where um, we gave up, you know, we were able to hand out points to people. I know I did really bad. I think I took sixth or seventh. <laughs> Um, but it was still a qualifier, so it still netted me two points. Um, right. I actually did better once we got online because I took first and second in back-to-back qualifiers, which that's what really up. helped you. Yeah, that jumped me up a bit. Um, and then kind of what was nice is it did feel like it took the pressure off for this last qualifier. Um, and even was there one in? Be- I think there was even one in between I played in. Um. 
because I think I played in every, um, I think I played in almost every qualifier I could. I think there was one Pacific Northwest one I could have jumped in and because um, they were allowing, they extended it out at one point for one of them. Ah. Because um, I think Illustrious played in one of the Pacific Northwest online ones. Gotcha. Uh, so, so yeah, like we got a lot of Milwaukee guys there, but definitely we had a bit of an advantage for qualifying with the extra events. So that kind of, um, was able to tip the tip the scales a little bit in our favor. Um, but okay, yeah. it just means I got to save my vacation next year and make sure I travel. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing, right? So this is definitely a very interesting, interesting way that it shook out with um, moving to online. Because um, it's you know one of the things I don't think has been talked about a whole lot is um, how different the game is online versus in person. And there are a handful of people I think that haven't played much or at all online because they've picked up the game either during, during quarantine or, you know, maybe a little bit before it, before they could really get like models and get them built and get playing. Right. Um, And so, and there are a handful of people I know have talked about how they don't like playing online or they don't find nearly the success that they do. Um, so you got any thoughts on why you kind of think there's some of that discrepancy between the two or some differences you've definitely, because I know you've played a fair amount um, on both. Um, yeah. Um, well, I mean, one of the big things is, you know, with uh, online versus in person, obviously you have the ultimate thing of online. Everything is measured for you by war table. It's super easy. It's really easy to make sure that you're outside of that, you know, 10.1 inches so Zaffin can't shoot you right away. Um, So some of that stuff makes it a lot easier. And also, in-person games, you tend to have more distractions than you do online, in my opinion. Uh, Okay. You know, for me, at least, when I'm online, I I tend to focus in really heavily because I have ADD, and that's what I do. Um, When I'm in person someplace, if there's people around me that are talking or things like that, I'll catch bits of those conversation and I want to talk with them or something. So a lot of the times, one of the things I do, especially like when I'm at a con or something is if I really need to kind of zone in, I tend to, for like the first half hour before I even go into the tournament, I throw in headphones and I don't talk to anybody. I don't do anything. I just kind of let music play to get me focused. Right. Yeah. No, that makes some sense. Um, I actually feel for me, it's a little bit of the opposite. <laughs> oh, that's fair. Uh, right. Cause usually unless the dog's going nutty or something, I'm going to sit down to the computer. Like, I don't know. I feel like other stuff can kind of get in the way. Right. You know, email, pop ups or whatever. On, right? Yeah. Or like someone's pinging stuff on discord and then I'm, you know, looking at that. So, um, but in person, I feel like, I don't, I guess it's a, a bit too, right. A different, um, bit different yeah. environment because right game store like you said you're gonna overhear some conversations um you know for a long time like all rules questions got funneled through me so if i was playing a game and someone else was playing a game and they needed like hey you know xyz thing occurred you know so that yep. would kind of interrupt it at least a little bit um uh, for stuff so uh yeah that, that's definitely one of the things um that i've seen you know where it's you know it, you have a question on something, it's pause, get up, go get the TO, yeah. have the TO come over, answer the question, they yeah. leave, 
you hit the pause again so or the play so it starts your time again and in that time frame your mind has had how much time to process you know, yeah. what's going on there and what's thinking and it's not just you it's also your opponent right yeah. how much extra time have they had to process it even if you're because your mind immediately starts going well if the to goes this way with it this is what i have to do if they go this way with it this is where i have to start going yeah i think i think the big thing there will be a bit of the um so first off none of the qualifiers have been played on a clock right so that's going to shift shift things a bit um but the other thing before we get too far into clock is what you mentioned where war table tells you everything right away, right? Like when you select uh-huh. a model, it says, okay, this model is X inches away from whatever. Um, and I think at times it's, it's so much information. First off, it makes, it gives some people like too much information where they're like, okay, I got to double check that I'm, I'm here. I'm here. I'm there. I'm here. I'm here. All this different stuff from all these different things. It's information um, over there. Yeah, and then, um, and part of that might be because um, until recently, the death clock wasn't available on War Table. Um, so even in casual games or whatever, you couldn't, there wasn't a built in clock tool um, mm-hmm. to kind of keep some of that in check, uh, right? Like there was the talk of the one five hour game that someone had. Uh, yeah. Where clearly that can't happen with a clock. So right. um, I think. In the big thing, I think too is on the table. You can pre-measure everything, so you can know where stuff is. But as mm-hmm. soon as I put a stick down to check a measurement from something you weren't aware of, yep, then you know that I'm paying attention to it, and now you can pay attention to it too. And yep. War Table does take that away, um, and that's where some of the people that can get like can eyeball distances really well from. You know, back in the, um, you know, like Mark II War Machine days, were like, all right, I can eyeball that I'm exactly within nine or eight inches or whatever your threat ranges are, right. uh, without having to measure that to know. That's mm-hmm. where I feel like they get a little a, a bit of an advantage, because um, then they can also do that without spending time on a clock. They just know, hey, that's got to be nine inches between my Thorgar and your Brock or whatever. Yeah, I and mean, you don't even I, have to like think about it. It's one of the things that I can honestly say is a thing because um, I have other issues that I have with playing on a clock, right? Um, and that's just because my mind goes so fast. But my one buddy and I, when we do clock games over at his place, uh, <clears throat> he's stopped me a couple times. He's like, how do you know that that works? I'm like, because I know this distance from as many games of Warhammer as I've watched played and I play yeah. and I have to settle these, di- you know, distance differences. With people. It's like, I can tell you that is 10 inches and I'll yeah. measure it out. And it's like, it's nine point, you know, eight. Yeah. And the other thing that's a bit interesting too, is how monsters end up behaving on the table. Mm-hmm. So the big thing right now you can check on war tables. All right. I'm exactly 0.1 out and I can check very quickly that I'm, you know, right where I need to be to not have a monster hit me. But man, I can't tell you how many games I've played where people were like kind of sort of paying attention to the monster. And all of a sudden we get to the communion phase and actually measure it out. And like their guys closer. Right. So like some of that stuff happens a bit. And I think 
War table eliminates, and that goes a bit back to like, okay, I can eyeball the distance better. Um, It's not that neither player couldn't have measured it, but it just, because you can't get so precise, Mm -hmm. right? And that's actually, you know, where Mark II, I think, will get a little bit better with some of the hexes, because it's going to eliminate some of that, like, I can eyeball a quarter of an inch better than you can kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, and not to say that there's not value in that skill in war, you know, in wargaming or it shouldn't be a valuable skill. But I think in this game, eliminating some of that will actually be enjoyable. Yeah. Um, but so. yeah. So onto the clocks. So yes, we will. JNAC will be played on a clock. War mm-hmm. table has added a clock widget that you can enable in your games. Yep. Um, I would. I would recommend maybe people give it a try. I know I'm still kind of bad at judgment clocks because I'm used oh, to I am war machine. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm used to um, war machine where, right. You do your whole turn flip a clock in this. You're constantly bouncing back and forth. Yeah. Um, but it will be interesting to see how some people haven't played on clocks previously. Mm-hmm. How they, if they've played, they've tried playing on the clock or have not, and how it affects them a bit. Um, I, I'm going to make a suggestion, which is for anybody that listens to this podcast, uh, before you get into the JNAC games, get your warband into War Table and play at least a game with a clock on. Yeah. I mean, I guess for, for those that are in the, that qualified for JNAC, I'm assuming. Most have probably played on the table or under a clock before, so it might not be right. It's not like the open qualifiers were. Well, um, the the only reason I say that is because with it being you know sixty five minutes per player, right? Yep, that's um, yeah. That so goes by a lot faster than you think it does. Yeah, I mean, so in person games they were doing fifty five minutes of clock. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think in the five games I've played um, at an event have really hit that. My my problem I've had with clock for online is like I like talking with my opponent a bunch. Mm-hmm. That like, all right, we're just no. gonna like, yeah, me liking to talk, no way. Um, but like, obviously in person at tournaments, like you know, I I tend to cut some of that out a bit. Um, that, that's fair. It's just a suggestion for everybody because playing under a clock is a different level of, you know, I want to say stress, but it's not stress. It's a different environment to play in than it is to play without a clock. Yeah, and they they were pretty. I think going to sixty five aside is pretty lenient on the time. I think um, so. And then they're doing the two minute, like, yeah, two minute overtime windows. Um, So for those that aren't aware, when you clock in judgments, you don't just auto lose the game. Um, You get a two minute clock for your next activation. And then your opponent gets a banked soul on their effigy. Then your goes to your opponent's clock. And then a clock comes back to you when you get two minutes again and they get a banked soul on their effigy. So it's not that you auto lose but you will very quickly, you know, within essentially yes. a turn of activations, you would lose, right? Because it would get five bank souls if you don't win. Yeah. Um, and I can speak to that because at last year's JNAC, my first game I played 
like you always say, you know, it's nothing like going traveling across the country to play in an, a championship event or an, another tournament or something. And what do you get matched up with? The person from your local meta, right? Yeah, that actually what happened in our first game. Uh, we got matched up against each other and we played and it came down to me on the death clock and I was able to get the fifth soul and kill one of his characters. But it came down to I gave yeah. him three or four souls on that and i was like oh yeah i mean that's you know it's funny you mentioned that so i'm you know kind of looking at the bracket as we're talking right um it's actually kind of funny to me that none of the milwaukee meta guys are playing each other first round because there are quite a few of us in in the event but the way that the rankings worked and how the bracket worked, we don't have a single Milwaukee versus Milwaukee match to start. Which I thought was just kind of like, now that I think about it, it's kind of comical. Cause like, it's really funny. You feel that, because I know I've had that a lot too. We're like, all right. like I've had a few times where I've driven out to Madison for War Machine events with my brother. I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, hey, we just drove over an hour. Guess who we got first round? Like, what the hell? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Like the person I played played that game the most against, I get literally the first round of a tournament. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, it's actually it's kind of funny, you know, we've got these handful Milwaukee guys. Though I think Brandon and Alex are in the same meta or same rough area. I think I thought yeah. they were both Pacific Northwest, but I know there's a couple of metas within the Pacific Northwest. Um which that I thought was kind of funny that like, all right, all these Milwaukee guys are in here. And then like two people that aren't from this group, you know, they hit their own, like, you know, local or local ish person to play against. Yep. It seems Um, that's the way it always happens though. Right. Yeah. There's always one or two of that. Um, I guess the other big thing we should be talking about with JNAC is that is double elimination. Yes. Um, So I know, I know that they had been kind of wanting to do this. So, uh, judgment took a lot of its motivation for MOBAs and double elimination is very common in like MOBA tournaments. Um, mm-hmm. So you like, there is a defined bracket with the way stuff is. So it's not remotely like Swiss. And then, yeah, it's, it's a legitimate actual bracket. Um, and if you lose, you're not out, you get to keep going. Yep. So um I'm a big fan of this system, um, and I was a chess player for years, so like you know, I'm I'm used to the whole Swiss system and how that works, and yeah, I'm, I've done some other stuff where the Swiss has been the thing. But I'm really a big fan of this, and I really became a really big fan of this when I started watching uh, not just MOBA tournaments online, but uh, like StarCraft II RTS tournaments. Okay, um, and it's really good because you can to me you can have somebody who for example right and i'm just gonna say say this out there not to jinx anybody but let's say uh Coilote and guard dog play and guard dog actually does get knocked out first round due to some awesome plays or bad dice or whatever yeah but then he has that ability now with the double limb to fight his way back up and you know, still hit the finals of the the thing yep. because of the fact he has that doubles that he can play through. Yeah, it's uh, 
I know they've kind of wanted to do it, but it's a little bit harder in person because Definitely right, so, uh, a 16 person Swiss or, I mean, a, the last JNEC was functionally single elimination. Right. It was Swiss style, but really the only thing that was getting prizes or whatever that mattered was the top two. Yep. So only the two three O's when it got to round four, like we didn't even play around four, right? Only only round four game was the top table because they did the full draft and they wanted everyone to be able to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was functionally single elimination, but they didn't play it that way. Everyone got to play the first three rounds. So you could play for, you know, for ranking or positioning or whatever. Uh, but that wasn't like, I don't even think they announced it. I think literally all they, they like, you could ask them if you wanted to, or they shared out the tabletop.to link or something, I think. But um, the only thing that really mattered was that final table. So yep. um, they did, de- you know, the discord had some debates over doing single elimination because with online, because we have to do it, you know, over like a week span, as soon as you start eliminating players, theoretically the round should start going faster. Because you could be able to like, hey, you know, we're down to only eight players from 16. Okay, well now, like, we only need these four matchups to occur versus, you know, 16 ma- or four matchups versus eight, right? Right. Um, so, in it definitely, it does extend out, I think it's like two-ish rounds, roughly. But, um, the, but the thing think. is, is that, like, as soon as... Like, I think they're going to be trying to set deadlines to get the games in, but because yeah. it's a bracket format, as soon as you, you, as soon as you have your opponent, you can play them yep. right away. Right. So yep. there's nothing that says like, we'll just take, you know, we'll take my game for instance. So say I lose to eternal Robbie, mm-hmm. like, and then, so that puts me to loser bracket. I mean, that means if whatever, I don't know who, which loser I play. So you I would, would play Brandon or Alex, whoever loses yep. there. So like, so say we get both of our, the winners matchups games done the same day. And like me and the loser of that game wants to play and we throw mm-hmm. down and play right away. Well, now I'm like, I'm, you can play. It feels like with the way that this is, cause it is like a legitimate bracket. You yep. can play at the pace that you can. Right. Yeah. So like as soon as you and your opponent know, play. I don't yeah. I think they're gonna try and say, like, hey, we're gonna do this round from here to here. Here's here's the deadline we're aiming for to keep the event on track. But I'm right. pretty sure that like once you know who you're playing, you just play. Yeah. And then you just I, go. I, go ahead. Yeah, so you just kind of go. <laughs> and then, you know, and then like I said, eventually as you go, people are gonna be eliminated. And then it could get quicker depending on how, you know, available people are to play their games. Yeah. Um, and I, I would expect that is the first round, the first two rounds, right? Those will probably be the slowest ones, but that's because you've got, uh, what, eight games you've got to get in and then another four. Correct. Um, yep. Well, it's actually, at, I mean, technically it's eight games and eight games because, right, because the losers play the losers, the winners play the winners. So that kind of like, yeah, like I said, well, it's it's as soon as people get games like get their games in. So right, I, I'm saying if you look at it as before everybody say moves to round two, right? Yeah, because what you have is at that point you're lose for the people that are in losers round one when the, whoever they win they go immediately into the 
round two, and you've only Correct. got four hits off that. So that's that whole thing is you're you're slowly killing down the matches, but yep. this way nobody is out until they lose that second time. Yep. So you don't have you don't feel as bad when you know Brock misses that crit that Brock needed, and it was on nine dice. Yeah. So. I mean, I would hope your game doesn't just come down to one nine dice dice roll, but no, but yeah, you know I, what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it definitely eliminates some of the, you know, some of the bad luck or the whatever you want to call it. Um, and then we'll have to see how they decide to do maps. I mean, we're gonna end up. They'll probably do probably a map for each winner's round and each loser's round, or maybe they'll be mm-hmm. consistent. Who knows? Because. I, I, because I know what if, I would like to see. Uh, what would you like to see? I, I would like to see, so if, for example, the round one is all played, let's say they roll and it's Scorched Earth, right? Mm-hmm. I would like to see the losers round play on Cobblestone. Yeah, I mean, I think as long as... Because the thing that gets a little bit weird is you will definitely need the like the round two of winners and round two of losers to be differentiated mm-hmm. because you don't want the person that loses in round two winners to have to play it on the same map in losers. That's circuit. True. So they'll probably do Hey, winners round one is on map X, you know, losers round one is on map Y because you could right as soon as that's done, yeah. you can start playing that. But then at the same time, winners round two can start playing. Like as soon right. as that round one winners is done, you can start losers round one and winners round two, but then winners yeah. round two needs loser losers round two that needs winners round two to complete or just, you know, the games to start lining up. So yeah. like losers round one and winners round two will start playing at the same time, but you're not going to want winners of round two to play the same map as, you know, losers round well, two. So they'll have to figure that out. How many maps are there? uh, There are 12. 12, okay. So what I actually would be interested in seeing is, like, do, for example, right, do all the winner's bracket side of stuff as Scorched Earth until maybe the final game? Yeah, I don't... And all the loser round as Cobblestone? And that way they can win throughout it all. No, I would not do that. And here's Uh Because if you don't lose, you're only ever playing on Cobblestone, and that would incentivize playing a warband that is better on Cobblestone or whatever. Well, that's that's why they don't so announce it, right? Yeah, Before. but I. But then the problem, if part of what they're trying to eliminate is with going to double limb, is the fact that like you don't like you should be able to overcome unlucky dice or a bad matchup or whatever. So putting all of one mat on one, the winners or losers side, I think. I think gets away from that. Cause like if my warband just happens to be good on the map we're playing on, then I'm advantaged in the winner's bracket. So I would actually disagree. That's the way they should do it. Because I, I worry that, um, that you could hit a thing where like, Hey, my warband has X, Y, Z tool, which tends to be really good on, on scorched earth. And then because I'm in the winner's bracket, I keep getting that advantage. Um, I would hope that they alternate. What I would do is I would roll round one and see cobblestone or scorched earth. I would then do losers wound round one on the 
alternate map. And then I would do... Actually, I don't know how exactly I'd do it, because then it would that, go... That's the point, is once you so, get past round one, things start getting hairy with how you do it. Yep, so... If you leave it random. Yeah, my my only thing would be to make sure that, like, winners round two and losers round two are not on the same map. Because that means right. if I lose that round, I got to play in that same map twice, back to back. I don't know, there's a handful of ways I could do it, but that would be my preference, would be some some sort of way of alternating and then you know yeah i I don't know i'm sure we'll see how they want to do it they they might have some discussion about it or maybe they've got a plan already we don't know yeah who knows we'll we'll learn put the winners on the the maps that have the uh harder monsters yeah (laughs) (laughs) Um, but i mean what is interesting is that if each round is on a unique map in mat we will mm-hmm. actually play on 11 of the 12 by the end of the event. Right. Well, people in general will have to in the event. Right. Because it looks like there's five winner's rounds and there's six loser rounds. Um, so you could play on 11 of the 12 possible ones, depending on your pathing. Or just in the event, which actually would be kind of cool, because that's not something we tend to see, right? You tend to see three or four maps, um, and that's kind of it. Yep. So, all right. Uh, so that's some good discussion some there. Um, yeah. So we'll. I think uh, lists are due on Sunday, this upcoming Sunday by midnight. I believe is the Bleep. the list lock. Um, and then the event will start Monday, and it's they're trying to make the rounds last a week. Um, they are due on the eighth of November. No, so. that got bumped up. Oh, did it? Okay, I was saying yes. what's still on they, the website. Yeah, so the website, but then Jeff came in and had a post, um, unless that had changed again, because if they wait until um, the 8th of November... Yeah, okay, so yeah, they, there we go. 2nd of November is when it will start. So yeah, they are due by this this Sunday. Yeah, I'm actually going to pin, pin that on the JNAC thing. Um, so I just pinned that. Yeah. So, um, yeah, warbands are due. Um, private message to Minas Tirith on the Discord by um, Sunday, Sunday, November first. Um, standard the five v five pick and ban. Um, final table will be a draft of the top two players. Full draft. Round one will start then the second, um, and they want to conclude all the games by the following Sunday. So the reason that they bumped up the event is that with the the way that there could be more than well there is going to be more than four rounds, right? Um, it it would push into middle of December, and they don't yep. want to go that far um, that far in for a couple of reasons, mostly because open beta is going to be starting at some point. I think mid to end of December, um, closed beta. Um, should be starting up pretty quick here for those that get into the closed beta. Um, so I think they don't want to... Still fingers crossed. Still keep my yeah. fingers crossed. <laughs> um, so we'll have to see um, how all that stuff shakes out. Um, but yeah, so so this will be due. Like I said, I've, I've got most of a list. I want to try and play it once or twice more, but we'll see mm-hmm. how stuff goes before Sunday. Um, right. But yeah, I think that's a pretty good, 
coverage of the JNAC. Um, do you got anything else you wanted to add about uh, JNAC stuff? Uh, in specific, I don't think so. Um, okay. I would not be surprised, obviously, if we still see, uh, you know, as Alex and Chad covered in the uh, Judgment Day cast, I would not be surprised to still see, you know, Fazil rolling around the top of the aggressor list. Um, and I would not be surprised to see Zarin actually make a comeback on, you know, being a little higher up on the Soulgazer yeah. list at this point, over Cruel. Yeah, I mean, um, I definitely, I think most of the, like, the highly picked stuff from the last event will probably stand. We yeah, haven't I gotten mean, a patch. We haven't got a patch in between. So right. unless people were trying, because, like, Thrommel jumped a lot in the last qualifier because um, huh. he got buffed. Um, so people were trying him out and stuff. Um, yeah, I would expect the rough meta to stay. I mean, most stuff, we might see some of those ones that weren't taken, the Piper, Bastion. Right. Uh, what was the other one that was taken? It was Piper, Sky. Bastion, Sky. So we might see something that has those. Um, mm-hmm. That wouldn't necessarily surprise me. Um, but I think in general, we'll see some of that. Um, I'll see, I think we'll see most trends continue that we've been seeing. So a lot of double defender, most likely. Um, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of double soul gazer. They didn't seem super popular in the last qualifier. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, all right. I think that's a lot of that. Now I'm, I'm going to ask obviously, because uh, I think, you know, Chad made a bold prediction earlier, right? As to the final tables, right? He did. Uh, yeah, I don't know if it's bold, but he made the prediction that, uh, yeah, that it was going to be Guard Dog and Illustrious Wahoo at well, the final I, I'm, table. I'm going to say bold just because we never know what could happen. <laughs> All um, right. So he, he made the bold prediction of that. Do you have any, you know, predictions? Uh, well, I mean, obviously I mean, we, we know you want to <laughs> say yourself here. <laughs> yeah. Right. I got to I got to have some amount of confidence going into the event. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I don't, I mean, I've played against most of the field before. Uh-huh. I don't think I, I haven't played against Bartlow and I think constant way I haven't played against. Tonal Robbie, I've played against once or twice. Brandon, I played against in the finals of one of the other ones. I don't think I've played against Alex. So, like, I've got some familiarity with a lot of the Milwaukee guys. So, um, I, you know, I, I don't disagree that Chad had a, a good pick. I think, I think Wahoo could definitely, yeah, he could, he could go. I, I would think Guard Dog, I mean, there's probably, I don't think there's anyone in this list of 16 people that are as practiced with, what we assume the warband will be that guard dog's going to play. Right. Um, I think if he plays the herd, it's a, it's a warband he's played a lot and is very, very proficient with. Um, and I think that will be much to his benefit. Um, I mean, he's played that thing patch after patch after patch and found success with it. So even as the meta around him has changed, he's done well with the, with the, the warband. So um, I, I think guard dog, um, guard dog Wahoo would be a good final. I mean, I I would like to think I would have a chance at it. Um, we'll see. I feel like I've got. I feel like my bracket down on my side's a little bit rough. 
So like I get eternal Robbie first and then I get the winner of um, judgment day, Alex or Brallandier, right? Yeah. If I win my first one and then like, if I get through that, I get either Pook, Trihair, Dan, Illustrious or Spiral, right? Yep. We're all, I mean, it, it's a top notch group of yeah. 16, right? Like it's, I, I don't think there's an easy path to get through. I mean, out of out of everybody in this list, I can say this: um, missing tasks. I'm not familiar with at all, right? So, yep. I I don't know about that one, but I know how well Shane plays. I know how well Guard Dog plays, Krylote plays, and even Will War because I've had some conversations with Illustrious. Um, Bartlow's the other one that I'm like, I don't know. Constant, I've played. Soulburner, I've listened to a little bit, you know, in conversation. The top, you know, that top, those initial four games that are up top there in that top of the bracket, that's still a tough bracket, even if you were up there. Yeah, it's... No matter what you do, the top 16 guys here, they're here for a reason. Yeah. Yeah, it will be... It'll be fun. Um, But yeah, I I, I think Chad's Chad's picks are pretty reasonable. Um, Yeah, I... I, I think what might be interesting will, to me will be how Missing Tasks and Try Hard Dan do. Okay. So missing Tasks, we haven't seen. I think he's only did the one qualifier and did well enough to qualify. Um, same with Try Hard Dan. So we haven't seen them play a lot or as consistent as other people on this list. Mm-hmm. So they are, you know, they're. If, I feel like they're a bit of an underdog coming in, right? Because we just we don't know. Yeah. They probably yeah. haven't been playing as many games or whatever. Um, and the other the other ones that might be kind of interesting might be uh, Bartlow and Brandon because uh, they're the play testers. Yeah. So they might get some of that, you know, what they call it, development brain or whatever. Right. Or like if you've been playing so much version two and not so much version one, like when you come back to it, does it like, are there going to be things you get tripped up about? Or right. Whatever? Because you're you're bouncing between stuff. Because we also don't know how much heroes have tweaked or changed. We've seen some cards. Um, I'm also the other one. I, I might say that that might be a bit of a dark horse. Might be the soul burner. If he's playing Fazil and his dice go hot, yeah, watch out for that guy. Uh, so yeah, I think I think Guard Dog and Illustrious is is pretty pretty reasonable. Um, I like to throw my hat in there. Um, I actually think the other one that might go pretty far could be Clote. He's been playing a lot of games. He did well the last qualifier. Um, yep. And he's got some practice against Guard Dog. He literally just played Guard Dog. <laughs> so he might he might have some ideas on how to, how to tackle it this time around. Um, yeah. So. Um, I, I'm, I'm definitely, I, as I said, it's a bold prediction, but it, it's a reasonable prediction as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, I I can't I can't see any reason not to make that prediction because in the games that I've seen Guard Dog play, you know, I understand why he's he is where he is. Yeah. Illustrious, it's the same way. I totally get it. And I, you know, so I think picking that out as a uh final, that would be an exciting final. I also personally wouldn't mind seeing uh, as weird as this is going to sound, I would not mind seeing Shane and Alex make it back to the finals again and have a grudge match from 2019. 
Oh boy, just you know, that, just disregarding the rest of us, huh? For the no, for I'm the, not disregarding the 2019 JNAC Electric Boogaloo or something, right? For the sequel, right? Exactly. No, I think that would be a really cool final to see again, right? Yeah, I mean um, they are they are also on complete opposite ends of the bracket too, so it'd be kind of intriguing to see. Yeah, and even uh, if even if they don't make the finals, you know, even to, if they both hit semifinals and that. That it'd still be a fun game to see. Yeah, to um, see them go back at it again. Go back at it again, you know. But overall, in I don't know. I mean, I if I'm gonna pick two people out of this list, I think I would have to say I, I'd have to stick with you guys on this one as much as I don't want to, and say I I think it's gonna be Guard Dog and Illustrious. But I I don't want to discount anybody either. Yeah, because well, I mean never... that's why they're that's why these are all bold predictions, right? We're just throwing names exactly. out there. Um, obviously, I'm gonna hope the best for you know my, as you say, your co-host and me, yeah. and so in this case, I'm gonna hope the best for you as the co-host here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I I'm hoping that um, because we are Milwaukee guys are well represented. I would like to see see one of us get there, or or you know have a good showing, right? Right. Um, so because we've got a a good chunk of the field, they're my locals that I'm good friends with, so I want to see them all do well. So. We'll have Maybe to... that's what Cheddar and I ought to do is uh, since you and uh, Alex are both playing in it, Cheddar and I ought to take these brackets, print them off, and do like a March Madness thing only it's, uh, <laughs> you know, for November. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so yeah, so those are our, some of our predictions and some some bracket talk. I'm sure we'll we'll, we'll uh, revisit it. So we're we're coming up probably towards the end. Yeah. Of, uh, our, our cast here um, real quick. I do want to call out that um, I will attempt to cast any game that I, that I'm available to do so um, with Same either. Me if yeah. I get to notice. Yeah. Uh, definitely. will keep, keep you in mind of that. Or if I can grab other people, I do have my Twitch set up to do so. Um, however, I know, I think they talked about trying to do some of it on the official judgment one. So anytime that um, ju- the judgment guys are going to do it, um, I won't cast on my channel. That seems repetitive. Um, right. I know I've casted on their channel um, a few times, um, mm-hmm. but I would ask those that are in the bracket. Once you have a time to just ping in the channel or put something up so that either myself can see it to see if I can cast it or, you know, just guns and tear to, so they can cast on the judgment one. Cause I'm assuming right. they're going to want to try and stream games if possible. Assuming yeah. that both people in the game are comfortable with it. Um, of course. So um, that, that's my one caveat for that. Um, also real quick before we head out, um, we did do some stats discussion on the qualifier earlier. We got some feedback that it wasn't the most exciting of content. But uh, if people would like us to to now now the qual the last qualifier is done, to look at some of those in depth stats we were doing, and update it based off of how the qualifier finished versus I think we did it when like the first round was done. Yeah. Um, we can do that. Just either ping myself or Fabius and let us know that you're interested in it, and then you will go through it. Otherwise, I think we're going to keep looking forward. Onto JNAC, and then we've got some other topics we'll hit at some point. And obviously, as more coverage comes down the pipe from 
you know, uh, Guns and Tirith will keep doing V2 stuff as, when that shows up. Yeah, I mean, I'm assuming the V2 stuff might get a little bit quiet until the JNAC stuff gets Probably. in motion a bit more. Um, but yeah, so I think that's a pretty pretty solid cast. Yeah. All right. Uh, so I think that will be it for another episode of Effigy Recall. Until next time, let's recall out of here. Thank you for listening to this episode of Effigy Recall. If you have any comments, questions, ideas for a show, or would like to be a guest on the show, please email me using effigyrecall at gmail.com or message Shane on the official Judgment Discord server. Thank you very much and have a great day.